How about you? Oh, that's powerful, isn't it? Thank God, thank God. Well, you can be seated. I'm going to preach today from John 3:16, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, and rightly so. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice the first part of that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, when did God give his son? Well, certainly on Calvary, but actually in the mind of God, he gave his son before the foundation of the world. The Bible said that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And in the mind of God... He forgave us before we ever messed up. Isn't that wonderful? You know, immediately after the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve tried to cover their sin. And we see that in that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. But, of course, that's not acceptable to God. And he stepped in there right after Adam and Eve sinned. And he promised Jesus. He promised his son in the Garden of Eden, when he said to the devil, he said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And when God said her seed, he was talking about Jesus, you see. Because women don't have seed in their body, and Jesus was born of a virgin, so right there, God's talking about Jesus, right from the Garden of Eden, almost immediately after the fall of mankind. And God went on to say, he'll bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And in that, God was talking about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, the crucified one, the one that she sang about, you know. And then, of course, God covered their sin by making tunics of of animals skin and he clothed them. And to get that animal skin, he had to kill animals, you know. And there was a shedding of blood. You see, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so God used the blood of the animals all the way back in the Garden of Eden to cover man's sin until he could get Jesus into the earth and pay for sin once and for all. And of course, we see the blood of the animals again and again, which was representative of the blood of Jesus And God always used the blood of the animals to cover man's sin and to stay off his judgment. We see that, of course, you know, in the Passover. How many remember the Passover? And, of course, the tenth tenth plague that was to come was the death of the firstborn. And, of course, God told Moses, he said, you know, kill a lamb and take the blood of the lamb and place it on the doorpost. You know, that was in the form of a cross. And he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you and the plague shall not come upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And throughout the Old Testament, as I've said, we see the blood of animals flowing like a river to cover the sins of the people year after year as a type of Jesus's blood. And again, God used that until he could get his son into the earth. Um, Of course, the prophet Isaiah, he makes the statement. He says, unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And actually, if you think about that, how many remembers that verse? Usually the only time it gets read is around Christmas time. But we ought to think of it it more than that. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 
you need to realize that, that Jesus, the, the Son of God, He's always been, He always is, He always will be. But you see, when He took on human form in Bethlehem, you know, that's when the, when, when the child was born. And the child was born the Son of God. The Son of God, the Eternal, took on human form. And remember Isaiah also said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And so God promised his son in the Garden of Eden and then he promised his son all down through the, 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 the days and the years of the prophets, you know. And then, uh, as I said, Isaiah said, behold, the virgin shall conceive. See that virgin birth, that virgin birth, all important. God talked about it in the Garden of Eden when he talked about the seed of the woman. He, he mentioned it again through Isaiah, the virgin shall conceive. And then hundreds of years after God said that through Isaiah about the virgin conceiving, we see the angel Gabriel sent from God to a virgin whose name was Mary. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, shall be called the son of the highest. Then Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost will come upon thee. The power of the highest will overshadow thee. Therefore also that Holy One which shall be born of thee will be called the Son of God. And of course the virgin conceived and gave birth to the Son of God. And then some 30 years later, we see John the Baptist on the shores of Galilee and Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Of the world. See, I'm preaching to you right now the first half of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you see John, when he sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You know, for 33 and a half years, Jesus lived a sinless life. He was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. And then finally the time came for him to give his body and his blood on Calvary's cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, was beaten immersively prior to being crucified. The Bible says, Isaiah the prophet again, the Holy Ghost through him said, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And of course, we understand that that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ prior to him going to the cross. And then Peter cries out and says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree or on the cross. You need to realize that all of our sins, from Adam and Eve all the way down, including you and me, through the ages and annals of time, all the sins of all mankind were laid upon Jesus as he hung upon the cross as he was crucified. I'm thankful for that. We always ought to be thankful for that. We always ought to be mindful of that. That Jesus bore in his own body our sins when he hung upon the cross. And then Peter went on to say, by whose stripes you were healed. You also need to realize that at the same time that Jesus bore our sins in his body, he also bore all of our sickness and all of our disease. Peter also said that Christ suffered for sins, once for sins, the just for the unjust. See, you and I deserve to hang on the cross. You and I deserve the penalty that uh, 
comes from sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But God is so good that he sent Jesus in our place to hang on the cross and to suffer for us. The just for the unjust. Jesus never sinned, not one time. He didn't sin, not one time. He was tempted in every point like you and I are. But never, never, never sinned. And he was the just and he stepped in and bore the penalty for the unjust, thus satisfying the claims of a holy God. Isaiah cried out and said he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes ye are healed. Can you say amen? amen. He went on to say all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned each one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Isaiah further said that many would behold the servant of God, Jesus, the Son of God, as he hung upon the cross, and he would become an object of horror, the Bible says. And many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's, and his form beyond that of the sons of men. You see, if you would have been there on that day, and Jesus being crucified there as he hung on Mount Calvary between the two thieves... We would have hid our faces, as it were, because the sight was so abhorrent when he bore in his own body our sins, and not only our sins, but all our sickness and all our disease. And so he gave his body on Calvary on the cross, but he also shed his holy, precious, sinless blood for you and for me. The Bible says that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The Bible says that Jesus washed us from our sins in his own blood, and he removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And of course, east and west never meet, so when... Jesus shed his blood. He was providing that blood so that our sins could be removed, never to be remembered again. His blood washes us from our sins. And the Bible says that his blood cleanses our consciousness of sins as well. You see, the blood of the animals in the Old Testament could only cover sins. But there was always a remembrance or a consciousness of sins. But the blood of Jesus doesn't just cover sins. The blood of Jesus removes sins. And therefore, once the sins removed, you know, the conscience can be cleansed. In the eyes of God, as far as God's concerned, the blood of Jesus has made it so that in the mind of God, it's like we know, like sin never even existed in the first place. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. Much better than the blood of the animals. The blood of the animals could only cover but uh, sin, but the blood of Jesus washes it as far away as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. The Bible says that Jesus made peace between heaven and earth, between man and God, through the blood of his cross. The Bible says we're brought near to God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible also says that we're able to enter the holiest place in heaven because of the blood of Jesus, and also the blood of Jesus makes us overcomers. The Bible says that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And so Jesus hangs on the cross for some six hours, making several statements, Father, forgive them. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? To it is finished. 
He yields up his spirit. His body's placed in the tomb. His spirit descends into hell. And then on the third day is raised from the dead. Glory to God. Can you say amen? And that's the first half of John 3.16. And I didn't even do it justice. But I just, in a few moments, gave you the first half of John 3.16. You need to realize John 3.16 in that one verse, you have the entire Bible sitting right there in that one verse. In that one verse, you have the entire Bible and the plan of God sitting right there in that one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And now I said all that to get to the second half of John 3.16. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now that word believe doesn't mean a mental assent, but it means a heart sellout. A heart sellout. A sellout from your heart. A heart sellout. Did you hear what I just said? It's not enough to, to, to just have mental assent. That God exists. That won't save you. You need to understand that. The Bible says that the devil also believes. And demons also believe. You see what this word believe here means. It means to trust in. To cling to. To rely on. To play. To totally sell out to him. And you see. The first half of John 3.16 is the hard part. The second half of John 3.16 is the easy part. See, God did the hard part because we couldn't do it. You need to understand that. You see, Adam and Eve tried to do the first part of John 3.16 when they covered themselves with those, those, those fig leaves, you see. But that's not acceptable to God. And man's always been trying to cover for his sins and trying to atone for his sins himself but it's not acceptable to God because you see man can't do the first half of John 3:16 only God can do the first half of John 3:16 only God can pay the penalty for man's sin you understand that and that's why he gave his only begotten son and uh but but you see the easy part is the second half of John 3:16 that's the easy part Believing, selling out to the Lord Jesus, believing in him with all of your heart. And the Bible says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's interesting how, as you study the Bible, you look into the New Testament and the Old, how often you see the second half of, of John 3.16, God repeating himself over and over and over and over again. It's the most, actually... Uh, it's the most important thing that, that a, a person can ever do is the second half of John 3.16. That whoever believes in Jesus with his whole heart will not perish but have, have everlasting life. Just listen to, to the repetition of the second half of John 3.16. In, in, in John says this. If you read in the first chapter, he says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. John goes on to say, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He also says this, he who believes, listen to that word believe, or faith. Faith and believe means the same thing. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, but he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. 
Did you ever hear anybody say when they received Jesus, they felt like a 10-ton weight just lifted off their shoulders? Did you ever hear anybody say that? Did you feel that yourself when you received Jesus? Like a 10-ton weight just lifted off your shoulders. But you see, it's right there in the Bible when he says that, that those who don't believe, the wrath of God abides on them. But the moment a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is removed. And that's that 10-ton weight that you feel going off your shoulders, you see. Can you say amen? amen? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And then, of course, Jesus appeared to Saul, who, you know, became Paul, and he sent him to the heathen to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's what Jesus told Paul. He said, go preach to the heathen, preach Jesus to them. And when they have faith in Jesus, they'll be sanctified or their sins will be forgiven. And then Paul cries out and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Real loud say believes. And then he goes on to say this, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. See, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you become the very righteousness of God in him. You need to realize that, dear friends. You need to realize that when a sinner places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they become the righteousness of God in him. They're no longer seen in the eyes of God as a sinner. They're seen as a saint. Did you hear what I just said? You need to understand that. And then Paul goes on to say, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. You see, you know. Uh, back there in the New Testament, some came in and said, well, you have to believe on Jesus and be circumcised. And then in the day in which we live, people will tell you, you have to believe on Jesus and be water baptized. But I'm here today to preach the Bible to you and to tell you that when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, apart from anything else, you get saved. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. You need to understand that. Therefore, we conclude that a person is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Listen to this. Therefore, being justified or declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You hear that? You, the second part of John 3.16, again and again and again. Justified. Say, I'm justified, justified. By, faith. by faith. I have peace with God, peace God. Through, the Lord Jesus Christ. through the Lord Jesus Christ. I have access into grace, access into grace. By, faith. by faith. Do you see how important believing is? Believing is one of the, it's the most powerful thing I think that I've ever seen or come across in my life. The power of faith, the power of believing. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He goes on to say in the book of Galatians, you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
There's so many that'll tell you that we're all the children of God, but nothing could be any further from the truth. There's only two kinds of people on the planet, children of God and children of the devil. And how do you become a child of God? It's not through circumcision. It's not through water baptism. It's not through receiving communion. It's not through church attendance. It's not through tithes and offerings. It's not through knowing the preacher. It's not through getting invited to the preacher's house. It's not through any good works you could do. It's not through mowing the neighbor's lawn. As good as all those things are, you become a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus, you see. You need to understand that. And don't ever forget that. Paul makes a statement and he says that the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee all the nations shall be blessed. You say, Pastor Terry, why are you reading something about Abraham? He is in the Old Testament. You need to realize that, because people ask me this, a lot of times they'll say, how do people get saved in the Old Testament? The same way we get saved in the New Testament, it's by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. When did God first preach Jesus? He first preached Jesus in the Garden of Eden right after man sinned. It's been Jesus in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all right down through the book of Revelation. Can, Can you say amen to that? Glory to God. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now, if you don't know that scripture, then you need to learn that scripture. Say this, say, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. How many in here you understand that you're a child of God? How are you a child of God? Through... Faith in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you this. How do you think Adam and Eve got saved? By faith in Christ Jesus. How do you think Moses got saved? By what? Faith in Christ Jesus. How do you think, how do you think Abraham got saved? We just talked about it. By what? Yeah, faith in Christ Jesus. How do you think Elijah and Elisha, those two great prophets in the Old Testament, how do you think they got saved? Faith in Christ Jesus. See, the Bible says by the deeds of the law. Somebody say, well, Moses got saved by keeping the law. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, sir. He got saved the same way you and I get saved, by faith. All you got to do is read Hebrews 11th chapter sometime and you'll see again and again. It's faith, 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 by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 11, these all talking about the Old Testament uh, 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 saints, these all died in faith. That's how you want to die. When you die, you want to die in faith. Did you hear what I just said? You want to die. When you die, you want to die in faith. People get saved by faith. You see, in the Old Testament... They didn't, they didn't know him as, as Jesus the way we know him. But you see, they had the promise of the coming one. He was coming, he was coming, he was coming, he was coming, he was coming. And, and when they believed in that, had faith in that, they were saved. And if you think about, think of, do you ever think about Abraham sometime? How he offered Isaac, his son, his only son. On the very same mountain in which Jesus would be seen thousands of years later and would die on that same mountain. 
How many, how many realizes that? See, Abraham, God told him to take his only son. And he, and, and he put the wood on his back. I'm talking about Isaac. You've read your Bible, haven't you? And Isaac walked to the... And God said, I'll go to the mountain that I show you. Why was that important? Because God wanted Isaac to be put on the exact same mountain that Jesus would be put on many thousands of years later. And of course, Abraham... He believed God. He believed God to the point that he was able to raise the knife and was ready to thrust it in his son. But remember, God stopped him. How many remembers that? Because there was a ram caught in a thicket. Is that right? And you see, when Abraham... See, God was looking for a man that would believe him. Did you ever hear me say, tell God could get his son into the earth? You've heard me say that. A lot of times people scratch their head. What do you mean? See, God needed a... God's a covenant God. And it's a blood covenant, dear friends. And God was looking for a man that would believe him, that would offer his son. And Abraham was that man. And when Abraham was willing to offer his son, then, of course, God cut covenant with him. And God put a ram in the place of Isaac. But then, you see, because of all that, if you studied it, study it out, look at it legally, that gave God the legal right, thousands of years later, to get Jesus into the earth and die for us and do what the, and, and shed that blood that, the, that, the, that the, the blood of the animals couldn't do. The blood of the animals, what do we say? It covers sin the blood of jesus does what it washes sin as far as the east is from the west can you say amen Amen. i'm not boring you am i somebody said pastor you're preaching to the choir we already know all this let me tell you something choir you can never hear about jesus too much i said you can never hear about jesus too much you need jesus in the morning jesus in the evening jesus at supper time my god can you say amen? amen did you hear me Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Realize, say Jesus. Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. Jesus. One more time, Jesus. Jesus. My God, thank God for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, you and I'd be going to a devil's hell. But thank God for Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. I get excited about Jesus. If you can't get excited about Jesus, you need to get saved. Did you hear what I just said? If you can't get excited about Jesus, you need to get saved. Amen. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, I know where I'd be going. I'd be going to a devil's hell. And so would you. But thank God we don't have to go to a devil's hell. Jesus went there for us. Suffered for us. Praise God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. How many love Jesus today? I just wanted to make it clear that you get saved through faith in the Old Testament and in the New. They look forward to the cross. We look backward to the cross. But it's the cross nonetheless. Can you say amen? The Bible goes on to say, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Glory to God. Nothing you can do to work your way in. This is one of the biggest things that I've had to deal with as a pastor, and I've had to deal with it in my own life. We always get to think that, well, we can help God out a little bit to get ourselves into heaven. If we're just good enough. If we just... Do enough good stuff. Listen, friends, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. You can't help God out just a little bit as far as salvation is concerned. If you want to know the truth about the matter, when God was cutting covenant with Abraham, Abraham tried to help God out. And you know what God had to do? God had to put him to sleep. And the Bible says a great sleep or darkness came on Abraham and God put him out. He, have you ever heard of anesthesia? 
Well, God put it, he, he did that to Adam, you know. He put anesthesia in Adam somehow or another because he had to take a rib out of his side to make Eve, you know. The Bible says he put, he put, he put Adam to sleep and he put man to sleep. And we, ladies like to joke about it and say, well, yeah, God put man to sleep in the Garden of Eden. We have no record that he ever woke him back up. But nonetheless, God had to put Abraham to sleep. You study the story out when he cut covenant. He put Abraham to sleep. Because Abraham was trying to help God out. You can't help God out in salvation. When it comes to salvation. Now there are some areas where you can do something. God expects us to do something, certainly. But when it comes to this heaven-hell issue, when it comes to this issue of salvation, there's nothing at all that you and I can do on our best day to help God out. Can you say amen? amen? Not one thing. God did the hard part. We do the easy part. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Realize, say gift. Gift is free. Absolutely free. No strings attached. Free gift. But there is one string that I do like to talk about. Is that when you receive Jesus, and you really believe on Him, you fall in love with Him. The string that's attached is that you want to serve Him. You want to serve Him. Did you hear what I just said? You want to serve Him. I just look for Christians that love serving Jesus. Oh, I look for Christians that come to church because they want to worship Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That's the kind of Christians we all need to be. Just because we love Jesus. Just because we love Jesus. Just because we love Jesus. Oh, fall in love with Him if you're not in love with Him today. Fall in love with Him. He's the fairest among 10,000. He's the bright in the morning star. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. There's none like Him. The Son of God and God the Son. For by grace you've been saved through... What are you doing, Pastor Terry? I'm preaching to you the second part of John 3.16. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then Paul told Timothy, he said, listen to this, he said that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. God says it again and again and again and again that we're saved by faith. Anytime a teacher repeats something over and over and over and over again, you better listen. Anytime God repeats something over and over and over again, you better listen. We're saved by grace through what? Through what? Through faith. What does that mean? Just a heart belief. A heart belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith. I'm going slow because I want you to get it. How are we saved? By what? Faith. Faith. You got it? Are you sure? We're saved by faith. 
Martin Luther, you ever hear of him? The great reformer? And the church that he was a part of had added so many rules and so many regulations and and serving God had become cumbersome and and he got tired of it. And they had kept the Bible in a language that the common person couldn't understand. But Martin Luther could understand the Bible. It's written, I think, in Latin, and they kept the. Isn't that sad? See, that's how, you know the devil's slimy. He try to keep things. See, the devil he'll try to keep things in a language you can't understand, and that's what happened. That's how come we went through the Dark Ages. Do you, you understand that if you study anything about history? But Martin Luther had studied and he, he, he understood the, the Latin, I believe it was, and he got in there and he began to study. And he saw that the way to God was not through doing all these exterior things, but he found that the way to God was through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went down there to that chapel door and he took that, what was it, that 95 thesis and he hammered, he hammered it onto the, onto the door, I believe it was, of the Wittenberg Chapel. And one of his great points that he had in that 95 thesis is that the just shall what? Live by faith. Glory to God. And it revolutionized the world. Paul told Timothy, I'll say it again. He said that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm using a lot of Scriptures here today. Just didn't have time to put them all on the screen. I'll put them on the website on the blog if anybody's interested. You can go there this next week and get the Scriptures. All that I'm using here today. And then the Apostle Paul was asked, perhaps, the question of the ages. He had just cast a demon out of a fortune teller. He wound up in prison. How many remember that? Him and Silas in the jail cell. Midnight, are they crabbing and complaining or are they singing hymns? And there was an earthquake. Long story short, everybody's chains were loosed. And it upset the jailer, because if you were the head jailer and uh, people escaped on your watch, it was a death sentence. And he was about to fall on his sword, and Paul said, don't harm yourself, don't harm yourself, and so on and all of that. He said, we're all here. And then Paul was asked by this jailer the question of the ages. Sirs? This is the jailer now, a heathen. You know a heathen, just a rank sinner. Said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a question of the ages. I said, that's a question of the ages. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, if anybody ought to know the answer to that, the Apostle Paul will know the answer. See, Paul was a... Jew, he was religious, and he thought you could be right with God by keeping the law. And he persecuted Christians. And he was against, uh, this before he became Paul, Saul, how many remembers that? 
And he was on the road to Damascus one day, and the light shone around him, and Jesus appeared to him. And I tell you what, just knocked him flat to the ground. How many remembers that? We talked about it just a moment ago. And he told him right there, he said... He said that you go to the heathen and you preach to them and you tell them that they'll be sanctified and justified through faith in me. That's what Jesus told him. So you'd agree if anybody would know the answer to this question, it would be Paul. And you see, Paul was a... You wouldn't have liked Paul before he got saved. You wouldn't have liked him. He wouldn't have liked you. He'd come in here this morning and try to put all of us in prison. But thank God he ran into Jesus. Knocked him down, talked to him, talk, he, had, he had a little talk with Jesus right there on the road. Let me tell you something else. Paul, Saul of Tarsus was going to die that day, one way or the other. How many of you, you understand where I'm at? When he was going in there to demand, Saul was going to die that day. This doesn't get talked about a whole lot. But Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? How many remembers that? Saul of Tarsus was going to die that way, that day, one way or the other. He was either going to receive Jesus, or I believe the judgment of God was going to fall on him, and he was going to die right there, fall dead on that road. I'm convinced of it. I'm thoroughly convinced of it. Because there was a certain king, if you read there in the book of Acts, that, 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 that actually the, the angel of the Lord struck him, and he was eaten by worms. How many remembers that? I believe that was going to happen to Saul. I'm thoroughly convinced of it. Thank God Saul had sense enough to receive Jesus. And believe. And Saul did die that day. The old man died and a new man was born. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. And Saul became Paul that day, a great apostle. Can you say amen? Great apostle. Glory to God. That excites me. So if anybody's qualified to answer the question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I mean, Saul spent time with Jesus. Uh, Paul, the apostle, you know, he, he spent time with Jesus. He had fellowship with Jesus. And Jesus took him to heaven and, and, and he had revelation and, and on and on and on. If anybody's qualified to answer this question, it's Saul who became Paul. Is that right? If anybody's qualified. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the jailer. He didn't say you must be water baptized as much as I believe in that. It won't save you. Waters of baptism won't wash away sin. He didn't tell him he need to be circumcised. That won't, that won't save you. He didn't name a bunch of other things he could have named. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And do you know what Paul said? He gave him the answer of the ages. He gave him the second half of John 3.16. He said, believe. Realize, say believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Can you say amen? Realize, say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If anybody ever asks you that question, Sir, Madam, what must I do to be saved? You know what you need to tell them? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the second half of John 3.16. 
See, I've given you myriads of scriptures on faith, on faith, on faith. Haven't I? But you need go no further than John 3.16, the second part of that verse. Did you hear me? You need go no further than that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believes in him should not perish. That means go to hell. But have everlasting life. Salvation is so simple. God did the hard part. We just must do the easy part. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Receive him. It's interesting, you know, right there in John 3.16, talking about Jesus on the cross. And if you read up a couple of verses... It might be interesting if we looked at John 3.14. I think they can throw that on the screen. See, we read John 3.16, but look at John 3.14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Remember, the people had grumbled and complained against God. And the, and the, and, and the hedge of protection came off. And, the, and here comes the fiery serpents. And they come in they start biting the people. How many remembers that? And God gave one of the greatest types in all of the Bible... To Moses on that day when the serpents were biting the people. He said, make a serpent, make it of brass. Brass is a type of judgment. He said, place that serpent on a pole. How many remembers that? And he says right here, as Moses, Jesus said, if Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, what did they do in the wilderness? If you read the Bible, you'll see that, that God had Moses put that serpent on a pole. And then he told Moses, he said, if anybody gets bit... All they have to do is look at that serpent on that pole and they'll live and not die. And you study into that word, look, it means more than just a passing glance. It means they had to go out and observe it and look upon it, you know, give it its full, give that serpent full attention. Had to look at it. And if they did that, now, now you see... <laughs> People will come in there and they'll say, no, you got to, it's got to be harder than that. It's got to be harder than that. It's got to be harder than that. No, with God, this salvation thing is the easiest thing. All you had to do was look on that serpent. Do you see how people want to argue with that? It's too easy, too easy, too easy. Look at the serpent and everyone that looked, they didn't die, they lived. You know, we've all been bitten with sin, haven't we? And Jesus was lifted up like that serpent. He says, as Moses lifted up serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Look at verse 15. That whoever what? Whoever what? Whoever what? Believes in Him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. And then you got John 3.16. Has Jesus repeated this over and over again? Believe on Him. And you see... That serpent that was lifted up out there. See, Jesus, when he died on Calvary, he died as the Lamb of God. But he also, that serpent, what does that have to do with? That has to do with that Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But nonetheless, all they had to do was look at that serpent. All we have to do is look upon Jesus and believe in our hearts. Can it be that easy? Yes. I want to warn you, I feel impressed of the Spirit of God to warn you of this. I've already talked about it. But whatever you do, my, my, I, 
my God, don't, please, listen, don't just have a mental experience with Jesus. Do you know I've had people sit in this church sometimes? I'm thinking of different ones over the years. I've watched them sit in this church, and I've preached messages like this. I've gone at it every different way I can go at it. I've gone, you know, I've gone, I've gone, I've used every different approach. The Spirit of God is, now listen, are are you hanging on this now? You listen to me. I've had people sit there. I, I, I'm thinking, people sit there 10 years. I've had one sit there 20 years. They sit there. And I preach it and 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 preach it. And, 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 and the best I've ever been able to do on, I'm thinking of a couple of people over the years, is I've been able to get Jesus in their head. And they think they're saved. But if all you can do is acknowledge it with your head, you're not saved. Did you hear me? You got to get Jesus where? In your heart. Some people, all they ever do is have a mental experience. My God, you need a heart birth. Did you hear me? I'll close with this. As Jesus hanged there, suspended between heaven and earth, there was a thief on either side. How many remembers that? And you, what, what a lot of people don't realize is that when those two thieves went on the cross on either side of Jesus, they were both riling, uh, railing against him or blaspheming him, both of them. But the one thief, something happened to him. In a three-hour space of time, they went on the cross at nine in the morning, and by noon, that one thief is crying out to Jesus, something happened to him. He was on his deathbed, so to speak. He wasn't going to live much longer. How many remembers that? The thief on the cross. And he cries out, and he says this, He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now here's a man who lived a life of absolute sin and debauchery, no doubt. Probably a murderer. You know something can happen to you in a short period of time. Because when he went on the cross at 9 o'clock, he was blaspheming the Lord and by... High noon, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Is that all you need to do to get saved? That's all you need to do to get saved. If it comes out of your... Huh? And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, the most assuring words in the Bible that anybody's ever received coming right from the mouth of the Savior. He said, Surely you will be with me In paradise. Did the thief have to do anything difficult? No. Have no record that he was water baptized? How are you going to water baptize him? He's on the cross. Never received communion. Who knows if he was probably not circumcised. I don't think he was circumcised. He wasn't a Jew, I don't think. Don't know. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Coming out of a heart of faith, that quick he was saved.
He changed his eternal destiny from hell to heaven in a moment's time. Is it that easy? It's that easy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I did the best I could to preach that verse to you. You could never do it full justice. It's so powerful. I did my best. Did you get